Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on the journey. Roger, as hard as it is to believe, this is Labor Day weekend. We are kicking off a five-part Fridays in September series. We're calling it Tough Sayings of Jesus. Yeah, you know, we we like uh, spending our Fridays in a theme where our listeners can kind of know what's going to happen a little bit next week, and next week we kind of wrap this together in a little package. And it's easy when we kind of take a 32,000-foot view of the Gospels to think that Jesus was the first century Mr. Rogers. I mean, always, always smiling, everybody wanted to be around him, everything was good. But when we start getting deeper into that, we realize there were people who walked away from Jesus because of what he said. We realize there's times when people said, I was offended by what he said. And there are tough, difficult sayings of Jesus. What makes them tough is not the pronouncing of the words or the length of the words. What makes them tough is what they mean and what we get from those things. And so this month, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at some of these tough statements and what made them tough and what they ought to mean to you and I today as we think about this. So to start this, we're going to be in Luke chapter 9 today. Luke chapter 9, and look at the very end of that chapter, 57 through 62, We're going to talk about uh, verse 62 at length in just a moment where he says, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a tough statement. Uh, We would think that Jesus wants everybody to come to the kingdom. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say no one cannot come to the kingdom, but here he has a qualifier. And here he says, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. So let's talk about the context here a little bit, Jason, then we'll kind of go through this and then we'll really hone in on this verse here and what this means. It begins in 57, where as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. What a grand statement that is. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, do you really get what you're asking? Oh, I love to follow Jesus to banquets, and I'll follow Jesus if he's multiplying food, and I'll follow Jesus if he's making a big catch of fish. But would you follow Jesus when people start accusing you? Would you follow Jesus when it leads to a cross? When you follow Jesus when the road is lonely? That's what Jesus wanted him to see. Verse 59, another said to him, follow me. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, Permit me first to go bury my father. But he said, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Now, the second person here, Jesus calls him out. Rather than coming to Jesus, Jesus calls him out. But he uses that phrase, but allow me first to do this. I will do this, but something comes first. And and, and in our language today, we'd say, well, I'll be at church services, but first I have to do this. Or I'll do this, but first I have to do this. Love to read my Bible, but first I need to do this. And what that person's saying is he's just pushing Jesus back to the bottom of the page. And then verse 61 and 62, where our phrase comes from today, and another also said, I will follow you, Lord. Again, this is a person that's seeking Jesus out. I will also follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those who are at home. Here again is this someone that says, I'll do it, but I got something first. 
And Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, when, when we look at 62, I think it's tied in to 61. And Jason, why do you think Jesus was upset or concerned about someone going home saying goodbye to the people at home? Yeah, yeah. As you're kind of rehearsing that immediate context, I was just looking back a little at the larger scope of, of Luke chapter 9, and it sure does seem like so much of this revolves around who is Jesus? Who is Jesus Really? I mean, we've got earlier in Luke chapter 9, Herod the Tetrarch perplexed about who Jesus is. We've got Jesus feeding the 5,000 and people's minds just being boggled. Who who is able to do these things? In fact, Jesus follows that up by asking his apostles, who do the crowds say that I am? And, and Peter makes this grand confession. You're the Christ of God. And then Jesus immediately talks about suffering. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes. He calls his apostles to take up their cross and follow him. While they're arguing later in the chapter about who's the greatest, Jesus once again foretells his suffering and betrayal and ultimate death in the city of Jerusalem. So much of this, it seems like in this section of Luke's gospel is really revolving around who is Jesus really. And in this little string at the end of Luke chapter 9, is as you've said, there are those who say, well, I'll follow you wherever you go. Or in verse 61, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. Now, I I do think it's important for us to to realize Jesus is not teaching, don't ever tell anybody goodbye, you know, just disappear without any explanation. That That's not what is being discussed here. But as you've already teased out a little, Roger, this is a matter of priority. It, it, when we attach it to the question of Jesus's identity, okay, Do my business plans come before my allegiance to Jesus? Do members of my family, if they're pulling one direction and Jesus is pulling the other, if friends are headed to the left and Jesus is calling me to the right, if if it looks like I could really profit financially or socially or culturally by going to the right, but Jesus is calling me to the left, who's going to win? And I love how Jesus gives us such a vivid word picture. It's almost like out of the blue, putting your hand to the plow. I mean, where did that come from? But immediately it it makes us think, okay, this is hard work. <laughs> you know, pushing a plow is going to be hard work. And it's work where you have to head in a particular direction with your eyes fixed on a a destination. When I have taught from this passage in the past, I've shared that uh, when Shelley and I and our girls lived up in Akron, Ohio, we lived on a little bit of a hill, and in the backyard, there was a little bit of a hole about halfway down the hill. Now, 
(laughs) rather than just taking the time to fill the hole, a lot of times what I would do is I was, uh, if I found myself kind of backing down the hill with the lawnmower, I would just kind of turn my head around and look for where that hole was and no big deal, right? Until I got to the bottom of the hill and saw for myself by turning around my head just how crooked those lines of the lawnmower were. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. You're putting your hand to the plow, but looking back. And Roger, when you're trying to plow, but you're facing the other direction, what's going to happen? It's going to be a disaster. And, <laughs> you know, there's not very many of us who are who do those kind of things today, but we, we may think backing your car up. Now, now a lot of us have those little uh, uh, video things now in our, in our dashboards where we can look at that. But before that, you always had to turn around and see where you're backing up. If you're looking out the windshield and you're backing up, you're going to be in trouble. Watch out. And and, and so the, the point of this uh, passage is fitting with verse 61. Here's somebody who wants to follow Jesus, but I want to go back home and say goodbye. And when I go back home, I'm going to see all my loved ones, and I'm going to miss them. And I'm looking backward. And when I'm looking backward, all of a sudden, my priorities change. All of a sudden, everything gets a little bit crooked and and wiggly. And maybe I don't want to go with Jesus anymore now because I'm going to miss being together with him. I'm going to miss birthday parties. I'm going to miss holidays and all these things. And and I looking backwards, I start seeing, oh, my, look what I'm going to give up to follow Jesus. And so that's why Jesus would say, you can't look backwards because you're not fit for the kingdom. There, there, there are some strong, strong verses in our Bible about our relationship with the world and, and not talking about planet Earth, but, but with the things of the world, particularly things that are not good. And so in John, we would, first John, we would read about love not the world nor the things of the world. James would say friendship with the world is enmity with God. And so th- there's that concept. I can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus. I've got to make up my mind which way is it going to be. Either I'm all in for Jesus or I'm all out with Jesus. But I can't be plowing straight if I'm looking backwards. And backwards to the world, that's that's what gets us every time. And so I think Jesus is trying to let us see the value of dedication and commitment as we walk with him. I think it's the same contrast that the Apostle Paul makes in Galatians 5. You can't have one foot in in the works of the flesh and another foot in the fruit of the spirit, right? What sort of things must I turn my back on in order to be fit for the kingdom of God? Well, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Listen to what he says. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's like there is a gate. Makes us think maybe of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I can't carry all of this filthy garbage on my back through that gate that gives me access 
to the kingdom of God. I turn my back on that to borrow from Paul in Colossians. I crucify those things. I leave them behind in order to be wholly dedicated to this new kingdom. Another principle or concept that's found later in the New Testament on the same concept is that when we come to Christ, we have died. We've crucified ourselves, and we're raised to walk a new life. It's not that I just get to do the same things again. It is a different life. So Paul would say, as you mentioned in Colossians chapter 3, you referred to this in verse 5, consider the members of your earthly body as dead, dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. I feel like some of our problems today is we haven't killed them. We keep them, we keep uh, an IV in these things and we keep them on life support and we have not completely left these things. And so what Jesus is saying in this tough, tough statement is you can't be following me and looking backwards. You can't see where I'm at if your eyes are on the world. The world is when you do these things, and these things are not where I'm taking you. You're not going to find me where sinfulness is. You're not going to find me where ungodliness is. If you're going to follow me, you better put your eyes on me. Uh, Very similar to the book of Hebrews, fixing our eyes on Jesus. No looking back is what he's talking about there. Makes me think of what you taught us a couple of weeks ago, face the direction you're going, right? If my citizenship is in heaven, if Jesus is my king, I need to be not just heaven-bound in songs on Sundays, but heaven-bound in my heart, in the orientation of my mind, in my priorities, throughout the week. So let me, let's just kind of go another layer here. For some of us, this is pretty easy. Some of us, we we have families that are Christian, our friends are Christian, and our environment is very holy, healthy, and righteous. Some of us, it's not that way. Where we work, it's very toxic. Uh, A lot of our family members are not following Jesus. Uh, for a lot of us, our friends are not following Jesus. So there's that pull always to be looking backwards. Uh, won't you come and do what I'm supposed to be doing? Won't you come and join us w- with what we're doing this weekend? Won't you come and be a part of us? So, Jason, I would ask you, how, as a disciple, do I keep my eyes forward and not look backward? Yeah, I... I highlighted how I love Jesus using this idea of the plow, and one of the reasons that I love it is it makes me think of his own words in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, same sort of agricultural term here, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I, I would suggest the first step, if I find myself in that difficult situation, is to remind myself I'm not alone. Jesus is not asking me to do anything, first of all, that he himself has not done. But second of all, he's not asking me to do anything on my own. He is promising, I am with you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. John would remind us later on, his commandments are not burdensome. And so a lot of this 
begins with a mindset. If you know that on Monday morning you're going to walk into a toxic work environment, before you get out of your car on Monday morning, pray. Pray that God would be with you. Walk into that office as if Jesus is walking right there with you. Follow the lead of the Apostle Paul who calls us, even in difficult circumstances. Okay, you may not be appreciated by those around you or even those in positions of authority, but you work as if you are serving the Lord himself. It is a mindset that perhaps gets the, the the context right in my heart so that I can continue doing those hard things. What would you add to that? Well, I'd add to that, and, and it's, again, part of that mindset is I think the, the reason some struggle with this is they feel like, well, you know, my friends are looking, you know, they'd be backward looking. That what things I like to do, that's backward looking. And, and all my life is backward looking. And God doesn't want me to go looking backward. He wants me to look forward. And, and, and I'd say to that is, yeah, you, you may have to give up some friends, but you're going to get a lot more friends and you're going to get better friends. You're going to get people of Christ who are going the same direction you are. And you may think, well, you know, I'm going to give up fun. You're going to have fun, but it's going to be fun without shame. It's going to be fun without guilt. It's going to be fun without sorrow. And you're going to get a fellowship. And you're going to get the the joy of doing what's right, Uh, the the promises of God. I'm heaven bound. I see it. I know I'm going that way. And so sometimes when, when we think about not looking backward, plowing straight, but not looking back, it's the idea that I wouldn't please my Lord. And I can't see Jesus if I'm looking the wrong direction. So I've got to keep my eyes on him. He's going to help me make the right steps, the right attitude, the right heart, all those things. And so it begins, as you said, with that mindset. And it can be done, and that's why God wants us to do it. You know, we've called this entire little series Tough Sayings of Jesus. And I think maybe two of the toughest words in this verse, Luke nine sixty one or 62, are the first two. No one. There, there aren't any exceptions here. And it makes me think of some... Maybe famous, not so famous names from scripture that illustrate that for us. I mean, you go back and you read the New Testament, you'll run across names like Hymenaeus and Philetus and Demas and Judas. These are men who heard the sermons. They, some of them saw the miracles, right? They, for a time, had their hand on the plow of doing the work of the kingdom. But one of the things that makes this a tough saying, but a very necessary statement is no one. There are no exceptions here. If I decide to turn around. It's not to say that I can never repent. We've spent entire months talking about the beauty and the grace of Jesus's prodigal son parable. But if I turn around, I have to acknowledge, I have to realize I am turning my back on my only hope. There is salvation in no one else. Turning my back on him is not going to present 
another alternative. And, and back to that uh, physical analogy, here's a guy plowing, and back in the first century, it'd be an ox in front of him, and he's looking backward for some reason. I don't know why he's looking backwards. Next thing he knows, he's going to be plowing into a fence. He's going to be into the weeds. He's going to be into the woods. He's completely off the, the, the grounds he's supposed to be plowing because he's not looking forward and not looking straight ahead. And that, that reminds us. I mean, we, we look backwards and our friends are not going to get us to where we need to be. The world's not going to get us where it needs to be. We need to be where the forward looking people are keeping our eyes in the right direction. So this is a powerful statement. And, and I think the other hard saying that Jesus is saying here, not only is no one can do this, is that whoever does this is not fit for the kingdom. Uh, you're not going you're, you're to be fitted. As we think about an athlete being fitted for his uniform or a bride getting fitted for her dress, you're not fit for the kingdom because you're not going the direction Jesus is going. You can't know where Jesus is going when you're looking the wrong direction. So that, that tells us about what I'm filling my heart with. I fill my heart with social media all the time, all the time. That is my diet, is social media. I'm going to get every opinion in town, every dog on the streets says stuff <laughs> on social media. And, and that doesn't help me. That doesn't help me. What does God say about these things? Everyone on social media has an opinion about this verse. Everyone says something about Jesus. Every, but what does the Bible say? You see, I, I need to be looking where God is. And when I look backward, same thing with following politics, same thing with following the popular opinion, the popular culture, whatever, whatever is, is back there, there is a pull to turn around. And, you know, I, I'm reminded in Luke chapter uh, 19, I believe, where Jesus uses three words. He says, remember Lot's wife. And what we remember about her is she was told not to turn around, and she turned around, and she looked behind her. And she died. And so those are sobering words to us as we think about our walk with Jesus, to keep our eyes straight, to be committed and be dedicated as God wants us to be. Roger, it's Friday, and Sunday we often refer to it, of course, as the best day of the week. As you're talking, I, what immediately comes to my mind is, you know, so many who perhaps haven't tasted and seen the the beauty of God's pattern, it's easy for many to view church as, well, that's just looking backward. That's old-fashioned, that's dusty, that's antiquated. It's stuff that was good for grandma and grandpa. I'm not sure it's good for me. But the beauty when we participate in what God has called us to, when we sing together, pray together, remember and proclaim our Lord's death, connecting it to his coming, when we open the scriptures and learn together, when we contribute together for the mission of the kingdom. Yes, we are looking backward, but so much of what we will do, Lord willing, two days from now, is looking forward. We were we are looking forward to the coming of our king. We are looking forward to the climax of this greatest story ever told. We're we're aware of what has happened in our past, but we're pressing on with eyes fixed on Jesus. I love how even in our worship, our focus is forward-oriented because we serve a king 
who reigns supreme. And surrounding us are the promises of Jesus in the Bible, the hope that we find in the Bible. We see sin among us, great examples of marriages that's been thriving for decades upon decades upon decades. We see everything when we look backwards. I mean, Hollywood measured marriages by hours. That's how long they last in Hollywood. And, and, and we see all the brokenness. But when we were surrounded by God's people and we got that forward look, what a beautiful, beautiful picture that is. And what it reminds us of is that you and me, all of us, we can really be in heaven someday. What a joyful thought that is. And so a tough, tough saying of Jesus, something we need to take to heart, something we need to remember that meant so much to the Lord. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Lord willing, next Friday, we'll look at another tough saying. But in the meantime, always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.